I'm one of those weird people that I th- always thought that it'd be really cool to be a superhero. But I think it's, I think the reason I wanted to be was for the wrong reason. Um, I always wanted really cool intro music. You know. <clears throat> that was going to be one of the games I was going to try to play this week, but I couldn't find, um, you know, any kind of music without actually the song actually saying who the superhero was. Um, and the Hulk doesn't have any music, so that was kind of that was kind of difficult to do. So, um, speaking of the Hulk, Uncle Paul, you were very lucky that I took laundry home with me the other day when I had to go when I had to go back. Angela asked me to to get my Hulk shirt and be up here for the for the wax museum skit, and she wanted me to be the Hulk, and she wanted you know like when she pulled my arm, she wanted me to go. Arr! And then, like, wrap my arms around you and pick you up and shake you and then sit you back down. And so um, I told her, I said, I'm sorry. I took laundry home. That was one of them. So I saved you from from being Hulk smashed last night. So uh, I got fussed at last night by a couple of people for telling you who I was going to talk about this morning. And I'm like, the whole week, you guys have been begging me to find out who we're talking about. And then, like, the one time I actually tell you, I get fussed at. So there is no pleasing you people. Like, I think I've just figured that out. Like, you all just, you don't know what you want. You don't know, I'm just kidding. That's fine. Uh, speaking of not knowing what you want, um, actually, this has nothing to do with speaking of what you don't want. Uh, you know, we showed the uh, the Geico commercial on Wednesday for the camel, the hump day. I ran across my favorite commercial this morning. I'm I'm I am one of those people who uh for those of you listening on the podcast, I'm not going to explain that video to you. And the reason I'm not is because you need to come to camp in order to experience this with us. So there you go, that was my plug. Okay. Uh no, I I'm one of those people that that I mean I I grew up with Star Wars. Like that was kind of my my movies when I was younger. First movie I ever went and saw was uh, The Empire Strikes Back. I was one. My parents went to go see the movie, and I got to go with them. I was, I've been hooked ever since. Um, but I'm one of those people that, you know, you're always sitting there, and you're always kind of, you know, like, oh, man, if I could only use the force. Like, if I could only do this. I love Walmart because you can feel like you're using the force because you, you're like, hey, I'll get the door for you, and you run up, and you're like, and then, like, the doors open up. Anybody else do that? 
Like everybody does that. You know, you're just like, let me get those for you. You know, and some of them even do that like really cool, like sound, you know, so uh, it's pretty fun. So uh, one superhero that you will not hear me talking about beyond right now, Aquaman. Don't understand him, never have, never will. He swims with fish. I guess you could spiritualize that, and you could go with Jonah and the whale, um, the feeding of the 5,000, um, the, uh, the overloaded fishing nets when they come in. So, I mean, you know, there's, there's directions you could go, but I never understood Aquaman. And in a setting like this, you can mention Aquaman and that you don't like him, and you will not hear an argument from anybody. Maybe Kimberly, since she was Aquaman last night. And maybe Uncle Paul, because he got spit on. <laughs> we were we were sitting back there in the sound booth. <laughs> and I knew something was going to happen, because I have never seen Kimberly's mouth closed for that long. And um, so I knew something was going to happen. I'm like, this is going to be bad. This is going to be bad. When Angela goes, this is Aquaman. But hang on a second. I'm on the wrong side. I'm like, Paul's going to get it. Paul's going to get it. And when she moved to the other side... And she pulled Kimberly's arms back, and Kimberly spit. <laughs> I don't even remember who it was back there in the sound booth. They go, was that water? I was like, I was like, not after being in her mouth that long. So that was, uh, sleep well on that one. <laughs> no. So um, you just never know what you're going to hear in chapel, you know? But, I mean, Aquaman, like, seriously, like, who was sitting around that creative meeting? Hey, I've got a great idea for a new superhero. Okay, Rockman. Okay, what does he do? He lives in a rock. Okay, what does he do? He talks to rocks. Yeah, let's not go with that one. Okay, um, tree hugger. What does he do? He lives in trees. What does he do? Talks to squirrels. Okay. Yeah, let's not go with that one. Ocean boy. Okay, what does ocean boy do? He swims. Okay, we're going somewhere. What else does he do? He can talk to fish. You know what? This is sounding better all the time. Okay. Um, what else does he do? He lives in a pineapple under the sea. I don't know. You know. And somebody goes, you know, Ocean Boy doesn't really work. Let's go with, I know what, let's go with Waterman. No, nah, that doesn't really sound right either. Aquaman. And Aquaman's born. Like, I don't know how he was born, but, I mean, who comes up with that stuff? You know, Aquaman. Yay. <laughs> Never mind. I really shouldn't talk about that part. Um, but... Speaking of Aquaman, and I went way too long on Aquaman, have you ever wondered why they never interview Aquaman?
That's why they can't interview Aquaman. He has no depth perception underwater. So, could you imagine how that interview would go? What? <laughs> yeah, okay, thanks. I think we got enough. You know, they just kind of like walk up. Let's interview one of his friends. This was supposed to be like a dolphin. I was, I was horrible at that. Okay, so. <laughs> they call him Flipper, Flipper. I heard a comedian one time, he goes, he goes, you know what would have made the show Flipper really cool? For those of you who don't know what Flipper is, go YouTube it. It's like, you know what would have made Flipper really cool? Like an evil cousin with like a scar over his eye and they call him Zipper. You know? It's like all that Zipper. <laughs> you know, it's just like, so, okay. And then Aquaman jumps on him and rides him for a little while. So, okay, anyway. Um, anybody ever swam with dolphins? Like not at SeaWorld? Okay. I did in the Gulf of Mexico. Like went out on a boat and there were dolphins everywhere. It's kind of fun. So freaked my brother-in-law out. Like he's like he's like, what do I do if they grab onto me? Ride it out? I don't know. I mean, you know. So they didn't. But I will tell you this: like out in the wild, like that, when you're underneath the water and one of them goes swimming about 50 feet away from you, they look like a shark, and that's not a lot of fun. But swimming with them was kind of neat. So. Um, I will tell you this, and then we'll and then we'll actually get into the lesson. My brother-in-law, one thing he did, he goes, I want one of them to come up to me. So the guy who was driving our boat said, okay, flap your hand on on top of the water. So my brother-in-law, he has on a mask and a snorkel, and like the mask is on his forehead, and the snorkel is like sticking back here. The only life jacket that they had were those like orange like foam pads. So he had that thing tied around his neck. So it's like sitting up here, like choking him. And he has on these 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 webbed finger gloves, and he has on flippers. Not dolphins, he just has on flippers. And he's floating out there in the water. And it's, it's funnier in my head, apparently. And uh, And the guy goes, just smack your hand up and down on top of the water. And he just meant, like, just tap it just to make some noise. And my brother-in-law... He's sitting there just, like, flopping his hands around. And, he, <laughs> and, and there's dolphins, like, swimming out there. And you kind of see them just kind of stop and just kind of turn. And, you know, and they're just kind of swimming. And my brother-in-law sitting there. The guy goes, no, don't do that. They'll think it's a fish. And my brother-in-law, like, curls up into a ball. And he's just floating there. So, And my nephew at the time was, like, two. And he's screaming, they're going to get my dad. And he's, like, freaking out. So. So, man, I hope my brother-in-law listens to this. Uh, okay, so this morning, um, I just want to let you guys know, I would have loved to have come up with that graphic, but I didn't. Uh, this is one of the books that I used to study for this week. Uh, it's called Who Needs a Superhero by Michael Brewer. And there's actually like 14 different superheroes that he goes through. Um, I mean, he has Thor, Wonder Woman, um, Captain America. Like, he has a lot of different ones. 
uh, in here. And it's, it's just very cool. It's called Finding Virtue, Vice, and What's Holy in the Comics. And it was just a really good resource. Um, honestly, I've read through the whole book, and it's, it's just really cool because um, it takes things that you know about with, like, superheroes and kind of kind of turns them around and shows us how we can gain something from them. So a uh, very cool resource to have. So uh, this morning, I told you guys that we would be talking about Fantastic Four. And uh, I'm pretty excited about this one. And the reason I am is because this is this is the perfect way to end our week together. Uh, I'm going to ask this. How many of you all have met somebody new this week? I don't count because I've, I haven't met all of you all. But you've met somebody new. Okay. Uh, of those of you who have met somebody new, how many of you all have changed some sort of contact information back and forth? Like phone numbers, email, like a few of you have. Okay. I know one of you attempted to because I still have the phone number. <laughs> And about 4 o'clock in the morning one day, you're going to get a random phone call. <laughs> I know where you were this summer. I'm just kidding. It won't be. That, that's, that was creepy. <laughs> I think this is the part where the speaker goes from, like, superhero to supervillain. You know? It's just like... <laughs> okay. Um, anybody ever watch The Big Bang Theory? <laughs> I love, I love that realization where Sheldon's like, have you ever noticed how many how many supervillains have advanced degrees? Like they're all doctor something. It's like it's like that's that's just wrong for little kids. You know, like my parents, well my mom has my nephew afraid of police. She's like, if you don't do this, the police are gonna come get you. So like my nephew is like terrified of police. I'm like, that's the one person like the one group of people you don't really want to be terrified of, you know? Hey, we should call the police. No! Well, unless you're, like, really in trouble, then you're like, no! But, like, if you're in danger, yeah, call them, you know? The other thing that my nephew is, like, horrified of, eggs and salad. You're like, hey, Cave, you're sick. I don't want to be sick. Why not? Sick people have to go to the hospital. Okay, well, I don't think you're that sick. Well, I don't want to be that sick. Why not? Because hospitals serve you eggs and salad. Um, yeah, okay, whatever. You know, it, it, uh, the logic of an eight-year-old is just absolutely amazing. Um, well, I was like, maybe we should FaceTime him right now, because right now would be the time we'd get him. So you all can meet my nephew, Cade. He'll, he'll randomly FaceTime me, and I'll answer it, and I'm like, hey, bud, what's up? And he goes, he goes, ha, and then hangs up. An eight-year-old with an iPod touch and FaceTime, not a good thing. Thank you, Mom and Dad, for giving him that for his birthday. I got him a football jersey, and he loved it, but I get ha at 2 o'clock in the morning. So, Okay, how do we recover from all of this? So, is that a camera? <laughs> <laughs> okay. For those of you that are sitting back there, I just glanced up at that projector and I'm like, there's a there's a video camera like right there. 
Is that so they can see it like upstairs? Film at 11. Is it so they can see it upstairs in the office? Man, I hope they're watching because that would be awesome. (laughs) I'm glad I found that today and not Monday. (laughs) Okay, kids, now what we want you to do. Do they have an audio feed? Because that would be even, that's, yes, that's even better. They can see my bald spot. Okay, anyway, <laughs> back, to, back to the Fantastic Four. The Fantastic Four, here, here's why I asked you guys how many of you all had changed, had changed contact information, because you guys have a really cool opportunity this week. You've gotten to meet people that are totally different from you, from different places than you, and they've shared an experience with you all. Like, each one of you all has a shared experience. You've been through the same classes, through the same activities. Now, you may have gotten something different out of each one of them from somebody else, but that's, that's also, like, a cool thing because you're going to be able to, to talk about it and, and talk about different things. One of my favorite activities this week has been hiding from Bryce. <laughs> I'm just, I'm, I'm kidding. It is awkward. I'm going to make it even better. Come up here. No, I'm not going to hug you because I want a microphone. Okay. This is Bryce. I know. You spoke in front of more people last night. I was blinded. I know. But see, I wanted you, I wanted you to actually see them this morning. See, Uncle Paul, look, there you go. Uncle Paul, turn on the lights for you. Okay, this is my second year of, of knowing Bryce. And I was wondering if he was going to be here this summer, and I found out that he was. And the way that I found out that he was, was he screamed at me, and I recognized his voice. And I have a very distinctive voice, just in case you were wondering. Yeah, just just a little bit. I'm just kidding. I haven't tried to hide from Bryce, but I can't. The reason I haven't is because I can't. It's it's like it's like Bryce knows where I'm at every second of the day, and that's cool, you know. Like I, I I like that about it. And it was really funny because especially out at the lake, I was there for like ten minutes, and then I turn around and Bryce is just staring at me. <laughs> but not like in that creepy way. Like he's just staring at me, and it's like the realization hits that Jared's here, and he comes running over. And then coming to find out, I wasn't the only one that Bryce was was playing this game with. He's also playing this game with the other Bryce. And then this Bryce pointed out something really kind of funny. He and I were walking across the grass at the lake, and he goes, he goes, hey, you know what? I went, what? And he goes, we're Jared and Bryce. Yep, we are. And he goes, they're Jared and Bryce. And I went, yeah, they are. And he goes, we're Jared and Bryce going to see Jared and Bryce. And I went, yeah, we are. And then I thought he was going to take it a step further. I thought he was going to go, there, Jared and Bryce waiting for Jared and Bryce. But he didn't. But I thought that he was going to. So, uh, but no, Bryce, Bryce comes back and says, hey, to me. And, you know, okay, you can go sit back down now. I'll quit. Okay, well, then you can hang out up here for a second. Okay. Um, no, you don't need to read the book. You need to pay attention. So, <laughs> I just felt like a ventriloquist dummy during that one. You, your lips never moved. That was awesome. But no, like, I mean, I never would have met Bryce had it, had it not been for this camp. 
And that was last year. And then, and then to be able to see him again this year and to be able to see a lot of you, you know, from, from years gone by and then to meet a lot of new people. Like that, that's a cool thing about, about camp. And the reason that we're going to talk about the Fantastic Four this morning is because of the ties that bind. You guys are sharing in an experience. You guys are getting to, to go through something that not a lot of people get to go through. I wish more people got to experience this place. You know, I mean, there's, there's camps that have, you know, different activities. Some would say better activities. Some would say, you know, they've got like these great facilities and they have all of this stuff. I would much rather come here. And I'm not, I'm not saying that those, that those places are bad, but I, I, I just enjoy the atmosphere here. I enjoy the family aspect of Camp Tapawingo. You see, everybody sitting around you, they're your camp family. Because, because you get to know them in like, it's, it's almost like a blitz on getting to know somebody. It's kind of like speed dating friendship style. Like you cram, you cram like four years worth of high school of getting to know somebody into a week. Like this, this is why I never liked lock-ins when I was a youth pastor. Because a lock-in, nine times out of ten, ten times out of ten, involves this very scenario. A boy comes from, from one place, a girl comes from another. They meet. And they go through a four-year relationship in a night. They're googly-eyed over each other. They're feeding each other pizza. They're doing all, you know, like they're hanging out. They sit beside of each other. And then somewhere around like 4 o'clock in the morning, the relationship takes an ugly turn. He looked at another girl. What? Yeah, he looked at another girl. I don't want to have anything to do with him. And like, you know, there's like this whole ugly breakup. And then by like 7 o'clock the next morning when parents are coming to pick up, it's like, here's my number, call me. You know, and it's like there's this whole like, you know, kind of turnaround. Trust me, every lock-in has it. Every camp has it. And it's really fun. It's really cool. But like you get to know somebody like so quick and in such a short amount of time. I love how many best friend relationships come out of camp too. Like it's always fun. It's like BFF. Okay. It's like no, you're my BFF. F F F F F F F F F F. Could you imagine that kind of necklace? BF F F F F F F F F. F F F F F F F F. It'd be like one of those looping necklaces that just keeps going. And ever and ever and ever and ever. Sorry, my brain. Like it, I feel like it's the last day of school right now, and like my brain is just like, oh, hallelujah. <laughs> We're all sitting back there. Like our time to unwind is like right before one of these services. Like we try to just like get everything out so that way our minds are clear and like we're ready to go. And <laughs> Uncle Paul goes walking by, just totally joking, and he goes. Man, I can't wait for Friday. And he just walks off around the corner. Well, I hear him, like, laughing as he's walking out. And Andrew, the guy has been playing up here, he looks at me and he goes, I thought today was Friday. <laughs> it's not. <laughs> it's tomorrow. And he goes, 
really? <laughs> so that's what I love about camp. Like, it's Friday, just so you know. So if somebody tries to tell you otherwise, you can be like, oh, okay. No, Jared said it was it was Friday. So, okay, now really back to this. <clears throat> the Fantastic Four are totally different from any other superhero. See, to this point, uh, like the, the Fantastic Four came out in the 60s. But from the time that Superman came in in 1938 until the, until the Fantastic Four came in, uh, one of the big issues with comic books was they were very cookie cutter. They were very interchangeable. Uh, you could take, you know, Superman and change the color of his uniform and change the logo on his chest and kind of change his hairstyle up a little bit and you have Shazam. They, they, they talked alike. They spoke about the exact same things. Their mannerisms were the exact same thing. They were interchangeable. I mean, even at that point, Batman was kind of interchangeable with them. You know, the Justice League was a bunch of friends that hung out and they fought crime and they, excuse me, they got along and everything was great. And then Stan Lee creates the Fantastic Four. And these four heroes could not be any different from superheroes to this point. They were four friends and colleagues. They divide their time between fighting nemesis from outer space and fighting each other. I mean, like, come to this point in comic book history, you would never have imagined Batman and Superman fighting one another. You would have never imagined the Green Lantern getting in a fight with the Flash. You never would have seen the Justice League. Yeah, I saw your T-shirt. You never would have, what? That happens all the time. Now. That's what that's I'm getting to that point. Thank you for thank you for jumping way ahead of no, I'm just kidding. You you know, you never would have seen that. And then just like our flash pointed out, it happens all the time now. But to this point, you never saw that. And and Stan Lee and Jack Kirby, they go, you know what? We want to write a comic book that has the kind of characters that we want to see. We want to see real life situations because sometimes it's it's great to get caught up in in you know like the superhuman and and the beyond ordinary you know suspend disbelief for a little while i always laugh like when when people come out of a movie and they go oh that totally would not happen in real life awesome it's a movie it's not supposed to happen in real life like that i mean did you see that guy like if he would have gone through what he did he wouldn't be walking yeah but it's a movie so he kind of has to like, you're supposed to suspend belief for a little while. And and they come in and they go, man, it's boring. It's cookie cutter. Like, we want something different. So they created characters that they wanted. You know, the Fantastic Four, they bicker and they argue between each other. You know, they, they, they weren't attractive. They weren't polite. Heroic, Yes. You know, but they, they were totally different from every superhero. But what made them completely different, other than just their personalities, was that there was a sense of family. Their family ties are important. Here's how deep it goes. Johnny, the human torch, is Sue, the invisible woman's brother. Sue is engaged to and later marries Reed, Mr. Fantastic. Reed kind of takes on a fatherly figure role with Johnny. 
read, Mr. Fantastic is also best friends with Ben, the thing. I always thought the thing was like one of the names, you know, kind of like the whole Aquaman, you know, Ocean Boy and all that kind of stuff. But the way the thing got his name is Sue Storm in there. She goes, you look like this just grotesque thing. And he kind of takes that as his name because he's just this huge rock of a person. But you, but you see that, that there's these family ties all throughout uh, these characters. And, and they, and they kind of play these roles. You see, where the X-Men that we learned about last night is our relationship to the world, in the world but not of it, taken from the world but sent back to it. The Fantastic Four is kind of our relationship with each other. Like how we relate to each other, how we interact with each other, how we work with each other, how we serve with each other. I mean, look, look, at, look at their personalities. The Invisible Woman, she's gentle, she, she's loving, she's nurturing, she's kind of the, the mother figure in this, in this group. Reed, he's a born leader. But he's a born leader that fears failure. Which, that's, that's a healthy thing. Like, you don't want to fail. And so that's what drives you to succeed. But one of his big flaws is that he dwells on the failures of his past. Like he, he, he can't move beyond a lot of his failures. And one of his biggest failures in his eyes is he blames himself for the accident. For those of you who don't know, they were in a rocket ship. They were going up to space to, to do science stuff. They make it up into space, and their spaceship is hit with radiation. I don't know what Stan Lee's obsession with radiation was. The Hulk, radioactive spiders, you know, gamma rays, all this kind of stuff. But they're hit with this, and, and he blames himself because he had convinced all of these people to go up with him, and so he blames himself. And, and the worst part about it is the human torch still looks like Johnny until he flames up. Sue Storm still looks like Sue Storm until you can't see Sue Storm anymore because she's invisible. And then Reed himself still looks like Reed until he can, like, reach back and open up the door from where I'm standing because he can stretch. But the worst thing is his best friend, Ben, because Ben is no longer human. He no longer looks human. He's completely changed. And so there's that everyday reminder of a failure. And so, so that, that's one of the, the characteristics of, of Reed. Johnny, Johnny is a teenager when, he's, when this series first comes out. He's hot-headed, which is good for a, a human torch, but bad for us in general. He's kind of an outsider, I, I love it because a lot of times these these character traits uh, or the, like the character of these individuals is is what their superpowers are. You know, Sue, even though she was she was gentle, loving, and nurturing, she was always kind of reserved and always held back. And then her superpower allowed her to completely disappear, to not be seen, to not be heard, just to kind of fade into the background. And then you've got Reed, who's this born leader, but he's always stretching himself, trying to do more, trying to be more, and he's kind of elastic. And then you've got Johnny. He's hot-headed. 
You know, so he's the human torch. But here's here's the other thing. It's kind of a it's kind of a symbol of being afraid to let others too close. Like he was at that time in his life where he didn't want anybody around. Like he knew what he was doing. He didn't want to have anything to do with anybody else. There's nothing that you can tell me. And so the flame was kind of like an outward uh, symbol of don't get too close. Like don't get too close to me because if you get too close to me, you're going to get hurt. And if you get too close to me, like I, I, I can't explain to you what's going to happen. And then you have Ben. He's troubled. He despises himself. But not just because he's grotesque looking on the outside. Like, he, he really despises himself on the inside because he's angry. He's troubled. For all their issues, including guilt, inner conflict, loneliness, self-loathing, at the core of it, they're a family. They may bump and bruise each other along the way, but they care for one another. You could not, you could not have four completely different personalities having to work together. And see, that's, that's, that's the cool thing about, about the church. That's the cool thing about Christianity. I'm not like Bryce. Bryce is not like me. Like, I'm not like a lot of you all. That can be a good thing. That can be a bad thing. But there are things that make me me, and there are things that make you you, that separately, you kind of go, I don't understand how that works. But then when you get together, you see that, like, you may be stronger in some areas where I lack, and I may be stronger in areas where you're weak, but the two of us together make each other stronger, and we can move forward better. So, you know, for, for, for all of their bumps and their bruises along the way, they still care for one another. Through all of this, they learn some things about themselves. Johnny learns that he can rely and depend on his new family. Sue learns to love without the fear of rejection or betrayal. Reed learns to just relax. That despite his failures, the world is still turning. Now granted, while the world is still turning, there's still some alien force out there that's trying to dominate Earth. And so he's constantly trying to think about how can I save it the next time. But he realizes the world is still turning. The world is not going to end because of one of his failures. Well, in the comic book world, it probably would. Yeah, okay. But it can't because they have to make more movies, right? So Ben learns to allow others to accept his warts, both on the outside and the inside. I think during the uh, the last Fantastic Four movie, you saw that moment where they were re-zapped and they all switched powers and, and Ben was Ben again. And you saw that struggle with, with you know, I don't, I don't want to go back to, to the thing. I don't want to be that again. Like, I love my new powers because I'm me again and somebody else has to deal with this. But we're, we're constantly learning about ourselves. We're constantly learning about each other. I think one of the worst things that, that, we can, that we can be a part of is when somebody in our family is struggling. And I, I'm, I'm really bad to do this. Because if something comes up, I like to sit down, figure out a plan of action, and follow through with it. It's kind of like that. Identify the problem. 
work through the problem, get past the problem, move on to the next problem. And people who figure out a problem and sit there and sulk in it irritate me. But there are some people that have to do that. And that's a struggle for me because I'm the kind of person that I want to fix it. And I'm like, no, we need to sit down and we need to talk this through and we need to figure this out. And they're like, just leave. No, we've got to figure this out. Let's just sit here and we'll talk and we'll figure this out together. And they're like, just leave. And I finally figured out that sometimes it's best to just walk away and let them figure it out on their own. Because a lot of times my personality is just making them more angry, which is not allowing them to work through their problems. But see, that's something that I had to learn about myself. And the way that I learned about myself like that was by being surrounded by people who are completely unlike me. And you learn to just work with one another. Like I said, you learn where you're strong and where they're weak. And they learn, and, and you learn where, where you're weak and that they, their strengths can help you out. You see, the Bible describes us as a cord. I mean, if you, if you take a piece of string, just a single piece of string, and I wish I had some, I just didn't think about it. It, it even like that little, um, it's just white and, and packaging string. It just looks like one string. But when you start looking at it, it's braided together. It's several strands together. And then when you take those strands apart, there's even smaller strands that are, that are bound in there. So it looks like a small, like little kind of weak string. But when you start looking at it, it's, it's thousands of these things strung together. And, and holds together and makes it strong. The Bible says that a threefold cord is not easily broken. Like, take a rope, see how much you can pull with it, tie three ropes together side by side, braid them together, and you've got a lot stronger rope. If you're out here on the climbing tower or the zip line, look at the rope that's holding you to it, and you'll see a bunch of, like, little fibers kind of weaved in together. And that's, that's what it's talking about. It's talking about how, how they're, the ties that bind, that's what makes us stronger. <clears throat> The early church behaved as a family as well. Here's what I want you guys to see. Acts chapter 2, verses 44 through 46. It says, And all who believed were together and had all things in common, and they were selling their possessions and belongings, and distributing the proceeds to all as any had need, and day by day attending the temple together and breaking bread in their homes. They received their good with glad and generous hearts. One commentator in looking at the early church said this simple phrase, just look at how they love each other. Look at how these different people from different backgrounds and different parts of society and, and different economic stations in life, look at how they love each other. Look at how they work together. Look at how they stand up for each other. Look at how they stand with each other. Like they saw the importance of a unified family. First Corinthians one, chapter twenty six, or First Corinthians chapter one, verse twenty six through twenty eight. It says right here, For consider your calling, brothers, not many of you were wise according to worldly standards, not many were powerful, not many were of noble birth. But God chose there's God choosing again, God chose what is foolish in the world to shame the wise. God chose what is weak in the world to shame the strong. The reason I want to park on this verse for a second is there are a lot of you out there who were like me, and you said, I can't do it. 
I'm not good enough. I'm not strong enough. I'm not smart enough. I'm not able to do this. The Bible says that if God calls you to do something, he's going to equip you with what you need to do it. But right here, I love this part because he says, I've taken the foolish things in the world to put shame to the wise. I've taken the weak things of the world to shame the strong. God wants you at your weakest. Because when you're at your weakest, you rely on him for strength. He wants you at your most foolish. Because when you start thinking that you can do it on your, on your own, that you can do it in your own power, you're going to fall. But he wants you in those moments where you rely on him for things. And this is why we're always telling you guys, you guys can do amazing things for God. Because he's promised you that, he, that you can. God chose what is low and despised in the world, even things that are. Here in this passage we just read, the Apostle Paul describes the church made up of the poor, the overlooked, the guilt-ridden, the broken, the misfits. When I nicknamed the band up here the Band of Misfits Monday night, I totally forgot that this was in my notes for this morning. But that's what God is looking for. God is looking for those people that that don't feel like they fit in. Because you don't. Remember we talked about that. You're not of this world. Your citizenship is somewhere else. Jesus asked a lot of times, like he was asked a lot of times why he socialized with undesirables. Why he socialized with the outcast, the overlooked the guilt-ridden, the broken, the misfits. And I love his answer. In Luke chapter 5, verses 31 and 32, it says, And Jesus answered them, Those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I have not called the righteous, but sinners to repentance. Above all, keep loving one another earnestly, since love conquers a multitude of sins. Oh, no, wait a minute. I'm sorry. I will totally bounce past that one. That, that, was, that was it. That's 31 and 32. Uh, I have not come to call the righteous, but sinners to repentance. He talks about, he talks about the, the sick. Like the sick have need of a physician. Sinners have need of repentance. Like that's why I've come. You see, remember that they were talking about how they wanted, how they wanted a Messiah that was going to come down and was going to overthrow the government that had them enslaved. And they didn't understand this part where he says, no, I've come to seek and to save those that are lost. I'm here for the sick. And I mean, as much as he was here for like those people that had leprosy and those people who were blind and those people who couldn't hear and those people who were dead that he raised to life. Have you ever noticed that Jesus never went to a funeral? Like if there was a funeral passing by, there was a party afterwards. Like Jesus never went to a funeral. Just something to think about. But he says, I've come because the sick need a physician. Sinners need repentance. That's why I'm here. 1 Peter 4, uh, chapter 4, verses 8 through 10, and here's where I jumped ahead. It says, above all, keeping, keep loving one another earnestly, since love conquers a multitude of sins. Show hospitality to one another without grumbling. As each has received a gift, use it to serve one another as, God's stu- as good stewards of God's varied grace. 
He says, love one another, serve one another. By God's grace, the church offers this. Come as you are and become what you're meant to be. You see, that's what we want you guys to understand. You came to this camp carrying burdens. You came to this camp with, with the weight of the world on you. You came as you are, but now you have the opportunity to leave as you were meant to be. And that is somebody that is filled with the power of God in their life and ready to go out and do exactly what he's called them to do. You see, the Fantastic Four has added new family members uh, along the way. You know, from various times, like, different people stepped in, and the Fantastic Four grew to, like, the Fantastic Nine. But they couldn't change the title because then everybody think it was, like, a new comic book, you know. So they just kept calling it the Fantastic Four plus a few family members. But they were always welcoming. They were always bringing people in. And it, it, it has kind of fluctuated over the year. And the church is just like that. I mean, could you imagine if, like, those 11 disciples went, nope, we know about Jesus, we're going to hold it to ourselves. Like, that, that defeats the whole purpose. And you could have not gotten a more motley crew than those 11 disciples. Where else can you get a fisherman, a doctor, a lawyer, and a tax collector all right there together? Following a carpenter's son. And they didn't get along all the time. But they worked together. And through them, the church grew. And through them, the world began to change because of the message that they carried. The Fantastic Four is a great role model for our lives with other Christians. A healthy family, congregation, group of friends who are believers has a clear identity while remaining open to outsiders who want to become an insider. Remember, we talked about this. Don't change who you are in order to reach somebody. Stay true to who God has called you to be, and he'll be the one that changes them to bring them to you. I don't know about you guys, but, but I am eager to see new people come in. I got so excited when I, when I would hear about people getting saved, especially here at camp. Like, I, I, I love that. Like, that is one of the most exciting things. I have seen leaders cry over some of their teenagers coming to know Christ because they have carried that burden and that desire to see them become a family member. Have you ever wondered why people at your church call each other brother and sister? Anybody in here adopted? Okay. That's cool. Like, I think that's awesome. Even though you really didn't have a whole lot to do with it, but that's still cool. I want to throw something at you. I did, I did, a, I did a, a research paper on adoption. Not because I had to. I'm that kind of nerd. I just went, oh, I wonder about this. So I did it. And I wrote a paper. And then later on in class, I had to do something like that. It's so already had the paper done. <laughs> I'm not that studious all the time. But I, I studied up on adoption. Because the Bible calls us the adopted sons and daughters of God. And I always wondered, why does it call us the adopted sons and daughters of God? It goes back to what we talked about with the X-Men last night. 
we're in this world, but we're not of this world. And the reason we're not of this world now is because God has brought us into his family. But before God had brought us into his family, we were not of his world. We were of a sinful world. We couldn't call him father because we hadn't accepted his gift of salvation. Here's, here's just a couple of cool facts about, about adoption. There's a lot, of, a lot of legal things that go, but I want to sum this, this part up for you. For those of you who are not adopted, your parents can legally disown you. They can legally say, I want absolutely nothing to do with this person. They are no longer my child. They sign their name on the line, and you no longer exist to them. That is not true when you adopt someone. Because when you adopt someone, you are signing your name to a document that says, this person had nothing, had no one, and I am promising that I will care for them, I will be there for them throughout it all. You are legally taking on someone else. You cannot disown someone that you've adopted. You can disown your own child, but you can never turn your back on someone that you've adopted. We are called the adopted sons and daughters of God. Jesus signed on the dotted line at the cross and said, I am accepting them for who they are, in spite of what they are, in spite of what they're going to do. They are mine. No one is going to take them away from me. I think that is so cool. Like, that is so awesome. Because it goes back to those truths that we've talked about. He's holding you in his hand. There is nothing that's going to take you away from him. There's nothing that can come against you. He has promised, I will give you everything that you need. I will supply all of your needs. You're mine. I am yours. So it's exciting when somebody gets adopted into the family of God. And it's so awesome. And I think one of the coolest things in the world that I've ever got to hear is when someone said, I can finally call them my brother. Another cool thing is a church that I went to, the pastor didn't do all of the baptisms. There were times where dads got to baptize their sons. Where grandfathers got to baptize their grandchildren. And it was so cool to like see them come up. And I remember this one time because the church I was at, they had a microphone. And the sound guy usually muted it because nobody wanted to hear the bloop, you know, and like the spitting water and all that kind of stuff. But the sound guy left the mic open one time. And the dad pulls his son up out of the water. And he said, I love you, brother. Because the family dynamic had changed. Yeah, there are father and son here on earth, but in heaven where their true citizenship is now, they're brothers in Christ. You see, the family dynamic runs strong in Christianity. I don't get along, I didn't get along with my sister. I had more bumps and bruises and scrapes and handprints across my face and claw marks. We fought a lot. My, My mom one time, we had just moved into our new house, and we, we had a second story, and that's where my sister, 
Her bedroom was on one end and mine was on the other. And we were fighting. And my mom comes to the end of the stairs and she goes, you sound like a herd of elephants. Okay. And she's like, separate. And so like we went to our rooms. And my sister slammed her door and I shut mine. I probably did slam mine, but I'm the better son. So I just kind of, you know, closed mine. I used to tell my sister that. I was like, I was the perfect child because I was the first one. And they decided that they could chance it and have a second one. Then they had my sister. (laughs) My grandmother told me, she said, if your sister would have been the first one, I would have begged your parents not to have a second one. I'm being honest. But my grandmother loved my sister. But my sister just had one of those personalities growing up. I mean, it was, we're sitting at the supper table. She says something. I glance up at her. She throws mashed potatoes at me. (laughs) Mom goes, what'd you do that for? He looked at me. Yeah. I mean, like, that was just the kind of person that she was. But apparently, I wasn't really that perfect. (laughs) Because right after my sister was born, my parents said they always knew when my sister was awake from her nap. Their first clue was my sister screaming. The second clue was I was nowhere to be found. The the third clue was the bite marks on her arms where I would grab her and bite her to wake her up because she was my new toy. And, like, I just thought that was so much fun, apparently, because I did it all the time. And so, yeah, my sister. So we're fighting, and... You know, mom tells us we sound like elephants, and so we separate. I sat at my door. I didn't sit at my door. I was laying on the floor at my bedroom door because I could see under the, under the, under the door down the hallway to my sister's room. Now here's the fun thing about the layout of our house. She had to walk down the hallway to my room to get to the stairs to go downstairs. I heard her door open. I watched her quietly walk down the stairs. I stood up. I waited until I saw her shadow. She never figured out to turn the light on so I could see her shadow. And I just slowly opened my door. And the minute my door would open, she would stop, turn, and run back to her room. This would go on for quite some time. Until my sister employed the world's worst tactic when you're fighting with each other. Mom! (laughs) What? (laughs) Jared won't let me downstairs. Jared, why won't you let your sister downstairs? I'm not doing anything. I'm just standing in my door. (laughs) Jared, stop standing in your door. Okay. Mommy's sitting in the floor now. Jared, leave your sister alone. I'm not doing anything. Quit psychologically damaging your sister. Let her downstairs. Fine. And she gets like right there. You know. (laughs) Some of you are like. That was funny until she fell down the stairs. I'm just kidding. So here's here's the funny thing. It has passed from generation to generation. 
My dad was an only child, so he had no clue how to deal with two of us, which was so much fun. It's still it's still fun to this day. Like he has no clue the dynamic that my sister and I have, and you know he's grown up with us. I mean, I'm 34 years old, and she's 33, so she'll be yeah, she's 33. Um, no, she's not. She's 32. <laughs> she'll be 33. Anyway, it doesn't matter. We're both older. We love each other, we hug each other, we still pick on each other. But it's more entertaining now because my nephew is the oldest, and he has two little sisters. <laughs> He'll come running to me, and he's like, Hannah did this to me. Kid, learn now <laughs> to fight for yourself, <laughs> because you were in a world of hurt. One day I was over there. <laughs> And my nephew is standing at the top of the stairs outside of the kitchen, looking down into their den. (laughs) And he's just staring. (laughs) And then I see this sinister little smile creep up on his face. And I hear my five-year-old niece, Hannah, go, Mom! (laughs) Cade won't let me upstairs! (laughs) And Cade goes, I'm not doing nothing. (laughs) And then little repeat, (laughs) my little three-year-old niece. Peyton, she's standing at the top of the stairs inside of her brother going, come on, Hannah. (laughs) And Hannah goes, Mom, now Peyton's doing it. And my sister just looks at me and she starts to fuss at him and went, don't, don't. We did that. Just don't. The other fun one was when my sister goes, you guys sound like a herd of wild animals. Whoa. Wow, it really has passed from generation to generation. But you see, we're we're family. And I mean, in spite of how much we fought and in in spite of how many times she drew blood, you know, like we're still family. She really did draw blood. I have a a scar on my heel because of it. Um, (laughs) Furniture, pushing, shoving. Yeah, it was it was it was bad. Um, And I was a really good crier. but, I mean, we're, we're still family, and we're completely different people. We don't look alike. We don't talk alike. We don't act alike. We're totally different people. What was really fun was right after my nephew, Cade, was born, I went with her to Walmart. So my nephew is in the, like, he's sitting there. He's a little bit older, but, like, he's sitting there in the shopping cart, and we're just walking through Walmart. My nephew looks a little bit like me. He really looks like his dad, but if I'm with him, you would think that we were father and son. It freaks people out that know my sister but don't know me when they see me with her and him, my nephew. Because they'll come up and they're like, hey, where's Keith? She's like, oh, he's out. Who's this? Oh, this is my brother. Oh. Okay. used to drive my sister nuts like when we go out to eat with my parents because my parents would be on one side of the table my sister and I would be on the other side. And they're like, so is this going to be two checks? And my sister's like, he's my brother. <laughs> oh, okay. You know, she was just, that's just the way she was. I'm like, I know. I love you too. But we're family. We didn't get along. We do now. But we're family. And there's nothing that's going to break that. And you see, that's, that's the way that it is for you guys. Like these people that you're meeting now, they're your family. And they may get on your nerves. And every time you turn around, they may be standing there smiling at you. 
but they are still your family. And God has made them part of your family. And it's so cool to see God work through that. Because here's, here's, here's the whole point. The Fantastic Four, they existed for a mission. And here it is. Michael Brewer, he says this, The Fantastic Four have never been self-absorbed. They can't afford to be. They have, excuse me, they have a mission that matters more than their personal lives. So what he says is, is in spite of all the bickering that went on, in spite of all the, the frustrations that went on, they knew that they had a mission that was greater than themselves. Like there were times in, in their storylines where they would be fighting and you would think this is going to be the end of the Fantastic Four. And then some, somebody would, would rise up and, and try to conquer Earth and they would lay aside their differences and they would go and they would fight. But the thing about it was they never came back and picked up their differences and started arguing again. The next time they argued, it was over something completely different. But they never went back and they never picked up where they left off. They moved past it because they understood exactly what he says here. They can't afford to be self-absorbed because they have a mission that matters more than their personal lives. And the same is true for us. God has called us to a mission that's greater than ourselves. And it's bigger than our personal issues with each other. Because we are stronger together than we are as individuals. One of you all can change this world. But it's easier when you have other people to draw on. And you have other people to, to, to move and to go with you. You see, the Bible talks about how we're a light in a dark world. And I think one of the coolest things to do, and, and not a lot of people think about think about the about things the way that I do. I love going to uh to candlelight services. <clears throat> uh especially around like Christmas and stuff. And one of the churches that I've that I have attended a candlelight service in the past, there's they're they're seated there, and I always like to sit in the very back. Mainly because I've, I've run sound for so much, I'm just used to sitting in the back. But I like to sit back there, and they usually hand you a candle when you walk in. I have ADD, so I'm like sitting there picking at it and, you know, messing with it, and usually ripping like the little paper collar to keep the hot wax from dripping on your hand. So by the time it comes time for the candlelight part of the service, I'm like, um, I need a new candle. But I like it because... You know, somebody like the pastor will be standing there and he'll kind of lean over and he'll light his candle. And then there's deacons or like leadership in the church and they'll come up and he'll begin to light each one of theirs. And then they fan out and they begin to light people on the front row. And then those people turn around and they light the ones behind theirs and so on and so forth. And when you're in the back, they shut off all the lights. And you see that one little candle burning, and then you see the pastor's candle, and then you see the leadership's candles, and then you see, like, each candle being lit back through there. And by the time it usually makes it back to me, you can see everything going on in the church because there are thousands of these little candles lighting up the entire auditorium. But when it's just that one candle, yeah, it's chasing away as much darkness as it can, 
but it can only do so much. But it is serving a purpose, and it's doing its job. It's shining a light in a dark world. But then it joins forces with another one, and that one joins forces with more, and those join forces, and those join forces, until eventually all of the dark has been chased away. What good would a matchstick be in a lighthouse in the middle of a storm? But you turn on one of those big lighthouse beams that's trillions of lumens or trillions of little tiny flames power worth together, you can light the way. You see, there's a tie that binds us all together, and that's that Christ lives in each one of us and that he has called us to a mission that matters more than our personal issues and our personal squabbles. So as you leave here, use one of the best resources that this camp can give you, and that's the friendships that you create here. Build those. Nurture those. Grow those. Use each other. Grow with each other. Further the kingdom of God with each other. Be a force in this world. Father, we love you. And we can't say that enough. And Father, if we could thank you every day, every second, it would still never be enough to show our gratitude for what you've done for us. Father, you saved us. You fight the monster within us. Father, you've brought us out of the guilt and you've shown us what grace means. Father, you've showed us that the, that what this world has to offer us will never truly bring us happiness and peace, that we can only find happiness and joy and peace in you. Father, thank you for showing us that that one of the best ways that we can show this world that we are yours is through our service. That, Father, we can be in this world, but we don't have to be we don't have to be consumed by it because you have taken us out of this world and you have sent us back in for a purpose. And Father, that you have given people, you have given us people that are going to walk through this world beside of us working towards the exact same mission, the exact same goal. And yeah, there's going to be bumps and bruises along the way, but God, you've told us that if we just press on towards that finish line, the Father, you will, you, will, you will help guide us, you will help strengthen us, and you will help us get there. Father, I thank you for this group of, of, of teens that have been here this week. Father, I thank you for their willingness to sit here through, through my ramblings. Father, I thank you for speaking through my ramblings and, 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 and giving out truth. Father, I thank you for the, for, the, for the counselors that have given their summers to be here. Father, for the staff that's here, from the toilet cleaners to the office workers, Father, you just, we just thank you and praise you so very much for this place. Father, right now I just want to pray for each one of these teenagers. Father, it's, it's the end of a... It's the end of a a very busy, very hectic, very fun-filled week. Very tiring week, too. 
But Father, I pray that you will be an encouragement to them, that you will be a light in a dark place to them. Father, you will strengthen them, you will challenge them, you will grow them. Father, I pray that you do great things. Father, if we never see these teenagers again, I pray that one day in heaven, when we're sitting there and you begin to tell the list of accomplishments that have been done for the kingdom, Father, I pray that I see all of them having impacted the world for your glory. We thank you again for for another day that you've given us. And Father, as always, we thank you for what you've done for us. We thank you for what what you're doing for us right now. Father, we thank you for the things that you've already got planned for us that we haven't got to take a part in yet. We thank you for your son and what he did for us. And Father, we are so thankful that we can be called your sons and daughters and that we can call you Father. We pray all these things in your name. Amen.